Oh, Nantucket Island, 30 miles out. How are you doing, everyone? What an intro. Did you like that? Here it is again. Wow. That's like the music that plays between sports bloopers or some sort of like bad sports show on a cable channel. Like, whoa, look at these crazy fans from Montreal. Well, you get the gist, folks. You get what I'm talking about, regardless. How are you guys doing, Nantucket? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling happy? Are you are you in that mode of work where you feel like you it'll never end? Remember, folks, just a few months ago, we were freezing in the middle of a storm. So we were dreaming about this time. Summer is approaching. We can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be an awesome summer. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to Inside the Whale. This is episode 11. I can't believe that I've done 11 of these things. It's become part of my work week, and it's a job, which is great because this is my dream job. I have it now. I did it. I moved to Nantucket, and I got my dream job running a podcast. If you had told me 10 years ago that I would be raising my child on Nantucket, I would have laughed in your face. Alas, I am here, and you're listening inside the whale, 11 episodes down, and the process continues as I continue to learn this medium of communication. It gets technical, folks, and speaking of technical, I need to give a big thank you to friend and fellow musician Floyd Kellogg who some of you know, has really helped me out in a jam with this podcast. Because what happens, I want to describe to you a little bit about the process, is when I go to interview people or I go to have our conversations, sometimes I don't always do it at my house. Sometimes I go to different locations. This past location, I went down to Audrey Sturk's studio to record the podcast. And uh, there's a technical issue, and I needed help. And things get very uh, intense when the person that I'm supposed to sit down with shows up and I don't have all the technical components ready. In this case, it was an old building. They didn't have the right plugs and I need an extension cord. So I was running around trying to get an extension cord. And then my guest, who you'll listen to today, is comedian Brian Glowacki, the infamous Brian Glowacki, uh, seal wrestler, beater, hater of balloons, um, and you'll hear all about that. But he was my guest and he showed up. So I, on the fly, I end up having to do these sort of mixes. And what happens after I get home and listen back, some of the sound or the audio didn't come through the way I, I wanted it to sound. And that's where Floyd Kellogg comes in, the audio genius. He is a mastermind at troubleshooting issues. And I could just send him the file and he can doctor it up in his little... Uh, music wizard program uh, pro tools and make it sound a lot better for you guys to listen to so I do want to tip my hat to Floyd Kellogg and say thank you very much I could not do it without you brother thank you he really has helped me out and the process keeps going I keep learning um, to do this podcast as professional as possible but what happens is there's a lot of uh, there's a actually there's a list of technical difficulties that could come up in the middle of an interview or before and you want it to go as smooth as possible 
So some of the times I'm working on getting the audio better. I'm working on just making the whole thing better. And a lot of that is me learning how to go out into different locations, set up my system, put the laptop out, get the mixing board, get the levels right, make sure it sounds good. And a lot of times what happens is I'll, I'll do an interview and I'll get home and it sounded good in my headphones, but then once I actually sit and listen to it back, it doesn't sound as good for some reason. So there's all these little idiosyncrasies that can happen with all this technology that I'm using between the laptop and the mixing board. And such was the case in this last podcast I did with Brian Glowacki. I uh, got home, I listened to it, and it, I, for whatever reason, it sounded a little garbagey to me. So I sent it off to the genius Floyd Kellogg, and he was able to make it somewhat listenable. So folks, bear with me with some of the technical difficulties. I promise I will wage my way through it and bring you the best possible podcast that Nantucket deserves. So that being said, my guest, comedian, musician, Brian Glowacki, born and raised on the island, funny, funny man, great musician, and has a lot to say. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. You just have to listen to the interview. He was, he was a lot of fun, a great guest, and certainly uh, the conversation took a lot of dips and turns and, and uh, just covered a lot of topics, actually. But Brian certainly is a quick, smart, funny guy, and he's doing it. He's doing it. And what a place to start a comedy career on Nantucket Island. I mean, let's face it, Nantucket isn't a hotbed of uh, comedy. And we talk a little bit about that. You know, most comics live in cities. They can go places and go do open mics. And it's not like there's a hotbed of comedy other than the, the Nantucket Comedy Fest. But that's, that's its own little thing. So it's hard. Driving up to Boston, he got his start. But he's doing it. He's a road dog, and uh, he's worth his salt. So it's a great interview. Uh, let's get to it. Brian's a great guy. I'm glad he took the time to sit down and headbutt me, and we arm wrestled, amongst other things, and maybe even a fist fight. Well, you'll hear it in the interview. All right, guys, let's go. Let's do it. We can do it, right? We can do it, Nantucket. Let's go. Here we go. It's time. Oh, wait, wait. I have awesome music. Before we go inside the whale, just take a listen to this. Yeah, why don't you sit back, open that can of adult beverage, put the lights down low, sit and listen to my conversation with Mr. Comedian Brian Glowacki, because he is the jam. Wasn't that awesome? I was feeling it. Were you feeling it? All right, let's go. Here it is. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! Yeah. We're rolling. We're rolling already? Brian Glowacki. Psyched to be here. I want to talk about the name <laughs> Glowacki because I've been here for um, five years and that's a name that's 
synonymous with Nantucket. Is it? I don't know. I just hear it's like Starbucks, Swains, Mayhews, and well, then Glowacki. So how many are there of you guys? There's out a lot. Here? Of, there's a, there's a few of us. There we're, we're a dying breed, though. Uh, you know, my my dad and his brothers were they were like uh, they basically built this place. You know, like ran, uh, built all the roads and all that stuff. And there's a few of us. And then you know, my uncle or uh, excuse me, my cousin was uh, a selectman. So you know, his name was out there, Michael. He's he's like the brilliant one out of all of so, us. So so uh, if you're listening, that phone is just uh, that's our phone, our live phone line. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so he's it's so, my grandfather calling in to ask questions. <laughs> Brian's so famous already, and <laughs> that we're already getting phone calls and people want to talk to him. But we're gonna put, we'll, we'll have to put that on hold. <laughs> we got Melissa from Detroit on line one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa, go. You're live with Brian. Uh, all right. Well, uh, well, I should actually say where we are. We're in Audrey Stirk design studio she was nice enough to let us uh do inside the whale so that's why the phone's going off and we didn't really plan for that but that's okay it sounds great yeah, we can't just unplug her phone thing either because she'll be like why well, don't i have no business and then she'll, <laughs> she'll come in here and be like oh doug unplugged my thing again yeah, thanks we, a lot pal yeah we completely hijacked the whole thing <laughs> yeah now now it's just a podcast studio because we right. cost you all your business exactly sorry completely <laughs> sorry about that i didn't even know this was back here i've been here my whole life i never knew this was a thing it's a cool spot Right? What was it before? In the front was like a they used to like pierce people's belly buttons on the side and stuff. Really? You would know. You've been here a long. Yeah, time. when like it was a they had they sold like weird clothes or whatever. And not weird clothes, but they sold clothes and um, but the dude had like a like an underground belly button piercing f- factory or whatever you call it down there. And I, w- I would go there. When like, you say underground, it was like you had to you had to be in the know to go get your yeah. Belly you had to go in and be like, can I have like the number three with uh, <laughs> with ice? And there the guy's like, no problem. Like, I'm it was glad this- that that phase is over. Yeah, it's and you would just sit on the bench, and there would be people coming in there to um, to buy clothes, and there would be like a you know a 17 year old girl getting her belly button pierced like. <laughs> in public, like in the open, and then he would just be like, ah, here you go, like rub some ice on it and send you on your way. I went with, like, like my high school sweetheart. I went, I was like, oh, I'll take you. I'll be brave. I'll go with you. And then the guy like brings out a sewing needle. I was like, where is that going? I was a like, sewing needle. it was, it was, it was huge. And then I, he's like, you're all set. And we walked outside, and uh, I was like, you feel okay? And she was like, I feel fine. And then. <laughs> And then passed out into a car and like de- just boom from getting the f- yeah like from getting you know pierced, pierced or whatever and then I had to like scoop her up off the ground and be like oh it's okay yeah but like everyone I knew got their belly button pierced and they're all still alive so that seems like a nineties thing to me right? it it was it was a it was like a mid nineties get your like belt. let's get a let's get a frap and a and, a, and another hole. And another hole in the belly button. <laughs> yes. And we'll go out to uh, Woodstock. Too. Yes, yes, exactly. God. Oh, man, the good old days. How old are you? Uh, 33. Oh. Yeah. You're a young buck. I just look older than I than I, <laughs> than I I feel or something. So, wait, let's look, tell me more about the, the Glowacki family out here. You have lots of uncles and brothers. You grew up out here. Yeah, just uh, I just have one brother. Uh, he runs the parasail thing. He like takes people water skiing and does all that in the summer, mm-hmm. and then takes people parasailing, uh, which is which is a lot of fun compared to like <clears throat> you know just sitting on the beach and watching people have fun. Right, I've done nice. it. I'm like I was like his guinea pig <laughs> to learn how to do <laughs> to like learn how to do to it. Figure so, out how to do yeah. it. Yeah. 
but it was safe. It's it's people get scared about stuff like that, but it's really safe. It sounds like a very spring break kind of thing, right? It is, but it's like <laughs> everyone here's on spring break like permanently. Oh, I tell you, yeah. the last couple of weekends it felt like spring break. It was insane. We were just I was just talking to Brian about how many gigs he actually played this over the Fugawi weekend. Yeah, it was. We had six in three days, and by the last one we were at the Starlight and uh, like. A, between the brewery gig and the starlight gig, I was like, I can't talk. I had no voice left, and I was like, I gotta get through it. So I like drank honey, and I had a, I called it the uh, Figawi survival kit or first aid kit, and I had like a glass of bourbon, a Red Bull, a Gatorade, and a like hot tea. <laughs> and it's uh, tough, right? Yeah, your voice. It is, and like I'm not like a nobody's ever gonna hear me sing and be like, oh, that's a beautiful voice. He should be on American Idol, but it was like just the workload of even just talking that much. You, you know, know it's tough too is in between the sets, mm -hmm. talking in a large bar crowd. Yep. And then we, I went to the tent one of the nights and I was like, I have to leave because I'm just talking over, I'm trying to talk over the crowd. Your throat is just, just shot. glass, just like broken glass. So that last gig, could you sing? Ba no, barely, not, words barely came out. Uh, we got through it, and Jeff is Jeff is so funny over at the Starlight. I love him for supporting music here, but he was like, uh, if you guys want to stop a little early, you can. It was like a nice way of being like, you've, oh, ha yeah. you've had enough, Bri. <laughs> <laughs> We've had enough of you, and you've had enough of us. Right. But it was good. That's a, hey, man, at least you're working. There's yeah. other places where uh, people aren't making that kind of money, so, yeah. you know. It's... I figured we have to take it while we can. Next year, I would love to get, like, if we're if we're actually in demand, I would love to actually get like a couple gigs where we make decent money. Decent money, and then maybe not have to gig twenty hours worth of. There's you know? sort of this novelty too that like people just accept that there's music, and you know everyone else's occupation out here pay has has gone up with yep. the increase of cost of living. Mm -hmm. And you know Jake Bowes actually was the one that was telling me and yeah. musicians it's gone down. Yeah, and. And I was so I was so excited like a few years ago to to start a little scene back up because there wasn't a scene for a while, like there was no music scene, there wasn't much of one here at all. So we started playing like seven years ago, and there wasn't a there wasn't like a lot of bands like there is now. That's and, what I've heard like and, back in the day. Yeah. Like so we were like, let's get it going, let's get it going. But now it's like, you know, if like Kristen at the brewery was like, you want to play Figawi weekend? You're not going to say no. There's thousands of people there, and it's a blast. So it's like. Of course we're going. Of course we want to play that, but it's like any one of these places that it's like, would you like to play? And we're like, we'll give us more money. They're gonna be like, well, now we have bands to choose from, so you, there isn't. It's like a, there's a trade-off, you know. I, I'm, I'm. In I would play the brewery for a dollar. I love it there. It yeah, was so much it's fun. Such a good place yeah. to do, and they've been supporting live music yeah. for a long time. I mean, they. Yeah. Did, I played there all winter long by myself. Yep. And that was uh, that was awesome, and then just the fact that they have that, and it does, you know, live music. It clearly, you know, when you when you walk into a place and there's a band playing in the background, it immediately uh, kind of start, it'll show. Yeah. The, it, it creates the atmosphere, creates the ambiance, and it's. Yeah. If you just had a DJ up there, I don't know if it, it doesn't it doesn't give that sort of atmosphere. Right. Even even like uh, over at Nix's, they got the stage now. They got the you know they got the PA speakers even though they're in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just feedback city over in that corner. But um, but they could easily have a DJ, and they choose to have live music. So, like, I'm, I love that about them. It's the Rose and Crown has a band on Thursdays. Like, so everybody's there used to be just one band or one or two bands? There wasn't any, like, cover bands. Like, I mean, we do all the goofy standard cheese stuff, you know what I mean? So there wasn't any, like, that kind of, like, party band type thing, especially with, well, we were young then. When we started, you know, right. like like young guys playing music that people that were going to the bars 
enjoyed. It was more, it, there was Ecliff and the Swing Dogs that played once a year. The Third Bay Project had already broken up by then or I've not. Seen or them taken, on, yeah. Yeah, it's Ben Shampoo. Yeah. That band. So they like, they were like the reason I want to play music in the first place because they, they, where the Third Bay is of their garages was behind where I lived and I would hear them at band practice and I'm like, I have to do that. Like Ben Shampoo, he might as well have been. It might as well have been John Bonham to me. When That's I was right, a kid. you're a drummer. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, for, uh, first, I'm a, I was a drummer first, and then we didn't have a singer for my band, so so I got moved <laughs> moved right. to that job because I'm not afraid to be out front. But So you grew up, went to high school here? Yeah. Did you go to college? No. No. I went straight to work. Went straight to work. Yeah, I worked for the almighty dollar. That was all I cared well, about after school. Well, the is that all these kids that go to college, they end up not yeah. in a job. So. Yep. So you've seen Nantucket. I just want to ask you, because you grew up out here, you've seen Nantucket go through a lot of transitions. Yeah. What would you say its phase is right now? <laughs> Compared to where, like, I just like to hear people that have been here for a long time and get their take on where what if been. What it feels like right now is, is it feels like within the next few years, um, everybody, all the workers going to be driving a white van and we're going to have to be, like, out of the downtown district by 7 or we'll get a ticket. Like, I feel like the super elite are going to push us to the very middle of the island where, like, where they don't have to see us. You know, I mean? there's an island down in Florida where, where, like, if you're a plumber, you can't have your name on the side of the van. And if you're not off the island, off the little island, by, like, 5 o'clock, you get a ticket. Like, they're like, this is our thing. We don't want workers here. Hmm. There's so, the money. Class that, system. Yeah, the money that comes here now is just so different than what it used to be. This is one of the only places in the world that like millionaires cut billionaires' grass. You know, I've heard that. I've yeah. heard that before, but it is. It really is. And um, to some extent too, is that you can, if you want to pave your way, you can do that. Yeah. It's a good opportunity, I yeah. guess. You know, because there's, hey, listen, if you're gonna live somewhere <laughs> and uh, move stone and push dirt around, right? Why not get? Top Might as well do it here, right? Yeah. And like the American dream exists here, but not. Uh, but Americans aren't taking advantage of it. There's a lot, the, the, the people who really come here and hustle and that are getting ahead aren't really from this country. You don't see Nantica High School class of 99 kids uh, working six jobs, you know? You, like you, it used to be. Yeah. yeah, you don't see that anymore. Now, because we're like, hey, it's easier to just leave, you know? Yeah, so there's a lot of your friends you went to high school with, they still Yeah, no, most of them are, I mean, most of them are gone. I still got like, Still got a few of my close buddies, but almost everybody's gone, you know? Mm. Um, I had some smart, real smart kids in my class, and they got, like, they got right ahead of the curve of the, you know, right before the financial thing just exploded, they got into it. And, like, gotcha. I got some friends that, like, they, they, they make the stupidest amount of money, and I'm like, God, I wish I had pictures of things that they used to do back in the day. I would blackmail them for all their money. Right. Yeah, like, are they, and they're doing, are they somewhere else? Or yeah, like New York City. One of my buddies lives in, you know, in like the Prudential building in Boston and just basically wow. takes people out to drink for a living. I mean, that's what we all do. We basically take everyone out to drink for a living it's just a social job in a different way. In you know? a different way. That's yeah. kind of like what it's doing. So when did you, uh, you're a comedian. Yep. And when did you start doing stand-up? 2011. Okay, so not that long. Yeah, not the game that long. No, but it feels it already feels like forever. Like it feels like I've I've done I was fortunate enough to get out of like get out and get on the road so quickly that I feel like I've been I feel like I'm like road hardened, you know, but I'm like I've been like oh, I'm like back in the heyday 2 years ago, you know, it's not like uh Yeah, you were like in yeah. in 1998 you were in Yeah. Uh, it's interesting too cuz I Stand up most of the time, uh, if you live in like a major city, if you're living in, 
D.C., New York, L.A., or mm-hmm. whatever major city you're in, if you're starting out as a comic, you uh, work on you write material and yep. you usually go to open mics. Right. So for you, what did you do? There's no <laughs> o- there's no open mic comedy scene here. No. So how did I you wish there here? was? I, w- I really love to get that started. Well, here's how here's how the whole thing started. I, this being a uh, stand up comic is all I ever wanted to be. Like when I was a kid, that's all I ever wanted to do. Music was like. I did music because there was no outlet for comedy, and I just made my music as comedic as possible, as you probably <laughs> know how that goes. Yeah, um, I get so it. preaching to the choir right now. I, I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, in 2011, my then-girlfriend and I, uh, she wanted to go finish school in Boston, so we went with her, and for Christmas, she bought me, like, signed me up for a class, um, a stand-up writing class, and by the end of it, um, you're, they want you to like go to a, a open mic, yeah. like after eight classes, and after three, I was like, I'm going. Wait, oh, so you went to one of those classes? Uh, yeah, sta- like a stand-up, stand-up writing class. Yeah, which was which was cool, and I'll tell you about it in a second. But um, so after the third Who's class, the his name is Dana J. Bine. He's not. He's uh, he had some M- MTV credits and stuff like that. He's a, one of the most motivational people you ever. Like he's really? a walking pep rally. Yeah. It was, re- I was really fortunate to like kind of just buy into it. Mm-hmm. Like his attitude was just like, people are going to hate anyways, so just do your thing. And it was just like, oh my God. And right. people that like, people that want to slow you down and hate on what you do or say, oh, your style sucks or whatever. He's like, they don't matter anyways. They're not going to buy a ticket. I was like, perfect. That was such a, he's just such a positive person. So I was able to like start from that position and be like, I'm going to do whatever I want because I don't care what people think. Um, but I took that class. I did my first my first open mic. Um, somebody heckled, and where was the open mic at? It was at a place called the Gaff in Waltham. Oh man! Yeah, on well, Moody what Street. What does the Gaff look like? Is it? Just it was just like a tiny little Irish place, like smaller than this room, basically. They, they moved the pool table. With yeah. Somebody and I would call it gigs. Move the pool table gigs. Yep. You know, it was <laughs> it was definitely a move the pool table gig. Um, but somebody was like heckling, and it was videotaped. Like one of my buddies videotaped it, and I just like kind of had some fun with this heckler. Great. And then, by the time I like approached the clubs, they had like heard about the video. Or like like really? one of the one of the got club owners. It was like oh, I saw the video the other week. Like yeah, come on, you can do a show. So I didn't. Right. I kind of skipped like the whole process of that. And then as soon as I knew that I could stand up there and not, you know, be scared to death, I was like, I'll just go on the road. And I just started biting off more than I can chew. How long was your bit at that time? <laughs> I thought minutes? it was five minutes, but I probably had I probably had two jokes that were worth a, sh- uh, you know. That, we allowed to curse on this podcast? You can do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I've been all censored in here. Yeah. Like, I probably had two jokes that were worth a shit, and the rest was just, like, because I was comfortable on stage, I got by. What were the jokes? What was your opener? Well, my first joke that I... <laughs> it's so stupid. The, the, thinking back on it, because it's not my style at all, but I just thought it was so clever, was um, uh, I heard about people... It's, like, a little dark. I heard about people, um, when they get sad, they cut themselves... Yeah, cutters. Yeah, cutters. I was like, there's a thing called cutters. Uh, and I was like, it's crazy because I've been doing the same thing my whole life when I get sad, uh, but I don't want anyone to see it, so I do mine on the roof of my mouth. Uh, but instead of using a razor blade, I use cap and crunch. Uh, uh, and I thought it was like just the most clever thing ever. But you know, what we call those. What's that? I call Captain Crunch roof wreckers. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> the they just shred the roof of your mouth. I, but you still like it's like one of those things. It's like a drug. It, even though you know it hurts you, it just feels so good to have Captain Crunch. <laughs> 
How about peanut butter crunch? Peanut butter uh, crunch would crush you. Yeah. You lesions on yeah, that. They started messing with the, they started all our favorite cereals when we were younger. They started just messing with them. And then it was like, why, why is there any need for any other berries besides red? You ruined it. You know, they put the blueberries in there. And it was just like, it's not the same. Yeah, Captain yeah. Crunch berries. Yeah. Now you just go, I just go straight Captain Crunch. I don't even mess with the I berries anymore. I, I stopped eating cereal when I, uh, <laughs> when I became a man. When you started caring about yourself yes. as a human? Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped eating cereal when I became a man. Or maybe you became a man when you stopped eating cereal. Maybe well, that's the thing. It's a little bit of both. I, I refuse to grow up. I refuse to. Yeah, well, so, it, all right. That being said, let's. T I want to go through. So you start doing the open mics in Boston. Mm -hmm. In 2011, you start doing stand-up. Yep. And then you come back to Nantucket. Yes. To the booming comedy scene. Yeah, nothing. There's n there still is nothing. And I feel like I should create something here. But you, Let's do it. I, I'm with you. And All I right. meant to ask you, tell me that you're opening for Tosh.0. Nope. What the I asked the dream. I asked why. Donald, I don't know. That I, is the biggest crock of crap. You've been doing it. You've been on the road. I know. It's like it's a private. They've just rented the Dreamland. You know, it's not like the, the Dreamland. I don't think. Have you set wrote? It up. Do you have a manager? No, I I do, but it's like for my road stuff. It's not. Um, it's not for anybody that it's would have any pull here. Want me to just hold on to it? Yes, I'm sorry. Hi. No. This is the first time we did the podcast in the studio and the table's a little shaking. I'm it's like a bull ball. in a china shop in here anyway. I'm so. a little like that too. Shaking it all. But, oh, um, it's way better now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll just hang on to this thing for dear life. Yes, <laughs> just hold. So I, I would thought, kill to open for him. I mean, it would it you, would make You obviously looked into it. Right? I asked Donald at the Dreamland and I was like, and he was like, there's nothing we can do. Does he have an opener? I don't know. When Bill Burr was here, I tried to pull some strings and open for, because Bill Burr is my idol. He's a great guy. Yeah. I, and uh, the, Bill Burr was like, I don't need an opener. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm not going to use some opener that I've never seen before. Mm, yeah, it's tough. But see, this uh, is, it's so hard. Even in, you know, music world, same thing. Yep. You want to be, you want to get an opening slot for a big band, stand-up mm -hmm. comedy. It's all that. There, it's That such, could change my life. Opening for Tosh could change my life. It's such a grind, and mm -hmm. there's an opportunity. And sometimes some comics are cool. Some comics get it. Some yep. are like, hey, there's a local kid that could give him a shot. Yep. You have enough stuff online that they yeah, can see it and say, hey, what would be the harm of giving a local kid a shot who's been doing it for right. five years? Even if now? I did two minutes in front of him, it's not like I would. I mean, I, it's not like I'm somebody that's just trying to do this. This is what I do for a living now. So yeah, that's you know what, what I mean. mean. And I think that uh, I would kill. The, I would. I mean, I would literally. I'll kill somebody. No, I'll, <laughs> I would love to get on there. I've tried. To, I, I just understand mm -hmm. what that feels like because you just, you know, listen, everybody, when you're, and especially now in the landscape of comedy, there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of people doing stand-up comedy, so you really got to fight for your yeah. breaks now. Yep. And, and when they show up at your front door and you can't capitalize, it's frustrating. You know, even, uh, you know, the Nantucket Comedy Fest, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if they could pull some strings, I don't know. I, I well, don't Kevin's, know. Been, Kevin's been good to me. Kevin's like a... Uh, I reached out to Kevin way sooner than I probably should have. Like, I was like, hey, Kevin, I'm funny. Like, here's my first clip ever. And he was like, all right, well, you know, we'll talk. You know, let's... and he and he he was good to me. And, and I work with him with the kids program and all that stuff like that. But they're bringing, you know, they're, they're bringing uh, huge headliners down here. You know, like Brian Regan was here a couple of years ago to sell out those shows and be like, hey, let me let me waste 10 minutes on. You know here's what I mean? The, but here's the thing. You're 
you've been doing it for five years mm -hmm. at some point you know someone's those are the breaks that yeah. you need to bring everyone's trying to get to the next level yeah and if maybe you feel like you're not ready for it which you clearly feel you are maybe someone's yeah. like oh i don't think he's ready and that's how subjective it is yeah it is and I, and I feel like like no i feel like they i mean kevin's like so honest with me about all this stuff i feel like he would be like like uh, you're ready. I'm gonna put you. Like we're gonna we're gonna launch you right now. Cause yeah, I mean he's he's been so good that he would just be like, all right, well now you're ready. I'm gonna put you on. So if if he hasn't done that yet, it's it's for a reason. It's, I don't think I don't think I'm not ready to be on the festival. I just think that he has an opportunity to have so many great comics here right. that nobody's seen yet. You know, and it's a different it's a different dem demographic too. I think I love helping the kids program part of that thing. Like I don't care about. I don't care as much about doing a set on there as like the, like teaching the kids and like seeing their confidence go from like they can't even speak in front of people like their friends to being able to like talk in front of 500 people in an auditorium is right. It gives them some. Sort that's of better than getting up and doing five minutes in front of Don Gavin, you know, or whatever. When I was uh, when I was doing stand up in New York, you had to get passed by this guy at the uh, comic strip. His name mm -hmm. is Lucian. He's, yep. He's a legendary comic guy. Yeah. And, and is he still alive? No, he's dead. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I went long. Mm -hmm. I was a little. I had an ego too when I was yeah. doing it. I was a little. If I had the crowd going, I would yeah. just keep going. Yeah. And they flashed the light, and yeah. you know that he was a guy that had to pass you. So <laughs> the, I, I definitely understand that like, yeah. that willingness to try and get out there and break through. And it's yeah. so many different little. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's kind of up to it's the. You know, you just there's a little bit of the luck involved. Yeah. The luck involved for you would be someone be like, you know what? Or somehow you get the touch yeah. point on. He's like, yeah, I'll give the kid ten minutes. Yeah, that's what. See, I I sort of have a game plan. This is I'm gonna I'll give you my uh, secret thing. I'm gonna go to the show in Boston because he's he, he's in Boston before he's here, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna get a meet and greet, and I'm like, dude, you're in my hometown tomorrow, like, and. I do stand up. Let me do five minutes in front of you. Yeah, I'd be like, "Hey, man, my name's Brian. Yeah. I'm coming to my hometown tomorrow." Maybe I'll like give him a DVD totally. or something, so or it like looks. Ask, I'm not like some you know kid, what? you know. That's the kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Ben Queller, mm -hmm. you know, the musician Ben yep. Queller. Ben Queller was a big fan of Wilco. Yeah. Ben Queller, after Wilco played in Irving Plaza, Ben Queller went up and gave Tony Margarita, yep. the manager, his yep. demo. Oh. Tony Margarita heard it and was like, it's great. Mm -hmm. Those kind of, and I'm a huge supporter of that. Yeah. I think you have to make those opportunities. And you know what? Yeah. You don't give a fuck. Yeah. What he's going to say is no. Right. You know what? Yeah. And that's the attitude. That's true. What's it's, he going to say? Oh, thanks. I mean, yeah, you might be like, oh, some ass wipe getting you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. <clears throat> but you never know. Yeah. And uh, you have to, that instinct to have that sort of fire in your belly to get yeah. out there and do that, I think is going to carry you. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that there's less and less gatekeepers of this thing now that the internet is so, just everyone is watching videos all day long. We're all looking for an excuse to avoid actual work. So yeah. as soon as the boss's back is turned, they're like, oh, let's look at Brian's, you know, clip on hangovers or whatever. Right. You know? So, I mean, who knows? I think that opportunity, yeah. it can't hurt. I mean, obviously, you don't be like I'll just a, form tackle his ass and be like, I'm going to, if you come to Nantucket, I'm going to beat the crap out of you unless you. See, I think that's great. I feel like, like I need to. Your skinny <laughs> yeah. Ass. You and your V-neck need to put me on. And no. your, your big <laughs> ass teeth and your huge. Have you ever heard his bit on Phelps? No. He does a bit on, uh. 
uh, the I think he's brilliant. Phelps, and he talks about. It. He's like, how does he drag that chin through the water? <laughs> <laughs> great. Have you on one I of his Phelps, one so. of his specials? And it's this is like it's rotten, but it's so funny because he talks about him and his sister being in prank wars with each other all the time. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he, yeah, he, he got in a lot of trouble for that. He did, yeah, well, he switched the, he goes, uh, he said that he switched her um, pepper spray with silly string. And then he goes, yeah, and someone went to attack her. And uh, and she goes to spray him and goes, Daniel. So, and then, so that gets like a laugh. But then the next joke he goes into got a big groan. And he goes, wait a second, we were just okay with my sister getting attacked a second ago, right? And there he's like, yeah, screw you. Yeah. I just think he's, I, the, I mean, he's ruthless. He does not care. Yeah, so who are your, some of your favorite comedians? Um, Bill Burr's up there. Um, See his new special? Yeah, the black and white one. Oh. He's so brilliant. He's so crazy, but he's brilliant. He just, I mean, the bit, if you guys haven't, if those of you listening haven't seen, go out and watch. It's on Netflix. Bill Burr's comedy special is just start to finish. All of them. If you have Netflix and you have the flu... Just sit there and watch it all day long. Maybe you're unemployed. Yeah, maybe you're, un- <laughs> maybe you're unemployed and you need some more anger in your life and you can watch yeah. Bill Burr. Maybe you're here for the summer and you're out in Pultisine yeah. House and you want something to do yeah. on a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just the flu. Um, but Bill Burr's up there. Um, there's a guy who, uh, his name is Ben Roy, and he's from Colorado, and he doesn't have a huge name, but as far as like an influence on me, he, he is... I mean, it was, I worked with him and it changed my entire, uh, how I perform comedy, music, life. The guy is just shot out of a gun. Yeah. He's he's been doing it a long time. He's been, yeah, he's been on it for a while. He had a Comedy Central Presents and stuff. He's so, uh, he's so intelligent, but he's so fired up and he's not, he's not mad. He's just so wound up, uh at the world like any any little thing he gets passionate about and mm. and it was just like just working i worked and with you, him two you, nights and i was like i this guy just changed everything about how i approach being on stage we you were opening for yeah him? yeah and he's based out of colorado he's based out of colorado but this was in boston hmm. and he was he's just nuts but he's such a nice what's, guy what's his style of comedy like um he's just uh it's observational, but it's like stuff that you would stuff that you would normally not even think of. Like and Seinf- he's, Seinf- it's like Seinfeld it's like Seinfeld after a manic episode of just drugs and anger. <laughs> he's just so I can't I can't explain. Like you have to watch it. He's so wound up about. Stanhope-y? Not as not as abrasive as Stanhope. Like he's got that in him. He's got that, but he has that Stanhope. Uh, intelligence yeah where it's like you can't even argue with it because it's so he did his homework but it's right. like it's like a, it's like the valedictorian of the class that that went mental that's basically his so you you had a relationship with him now? yeah we, like uh i talk to him every now and again but uh I've, i tr- i was like will you take me on the road like I, that was the one person i've met that i was like i need to i need to be around you like i need to learn from so what you did, what did he say he's gonna take you no, he's like he doesn't like tour extensively. Like if he does, he said if he comes back to town, he'll obviously have me work with him and stuff. But um, where did you in Boston? Yeah, it was at Laugh Boston in the Seaport. That so place you've been, is sweet. You've been doing a couple other gigs up and down, right? Yeah, I've been tour. everywhere. Yeah. Did you just hop in the car and go from yeah. gig to gig? Yeah. By yourself? Yeah, for the most part. Or like I'll meet up in different cities with different people. Um, I did like ton, a ton of Florida stuff this past year and. 
Alabama, and I was down in the places where I was like, what the hell am I doing here? South is yeah. a different beast. It is, sure. but it's so fun. Very I love it down there. I was, in, I was in Orange Beach, Alabama, and swimming in the water that, like, nobody was swimming, and I didn't even realize because, you know, BP tried to kill everybody with that. You know what I mean? All that oil burped up out of that hole. It's still a problem? It will. People don't swim there anymore. There's, like, a flesh-eating bacteria now because of it or something, and I was in there frolicking. Like alone. That explains that lesion. Yeah, <laughs> explains the Captain Crunch sore like, that no, won't heal. Yeah, the Captain Crunch sore that won't heal on the on my eyeball. No. Uh, so you have a manager now? Yeah, I have a uh, a girl that uh, like a booking agent basically that handles like the road stuff and helps me get into clubs that I wouldn't normally. Now you guys, I just want people that are listening to have an idea of the amount of time and energy that goes into driving uh, gas and. Mm -hmm. You're looking at probably almost 10 hours to 11 hours a day to get to a gig. For yep. What, what's your half hour are you doing now? Yeah, I'm doing like, I'm doing a half hour. I, I headlined the show in Chicopee, Mass, uh, a couple weeks ago. How and was I, that? It was amazing. Those people them? are amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not one of these people that like, if I do really well, I'm going to tell everybody about it. If I bomb, you'll never hear a word about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't have a show last night. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what I you're talking about. Uh, I was different home. Brian. Yeah, it was a different Brian Glowacki. Um, but I, I documented what it takes to get there. So from getting on the boat to, you know, getting the car to getting off the boat and driving all the way up there and waiting. So it was like five and a half hours or no, excuse me, seven hours later before I was on stage. Um, Seven hours to yeah. actually. Yeah, and then after that, I drove an hour and a half to stay at my buddy's house. And Helps having friends along the way. I'm yeah, sure. it does. Like if you can couch surf, it makes it a lot easier because you spend a lot of nights in your car. It's a lonely existence. It is. It really is. Like I never thought it was like this. I thought it was going to be like, like you know, with music, you show up to the gig and it's, then it's immediately time to party, and then you go home and you sleep in your own bed most of the time. But on the when you do comedy, it's like. You're just sitting around all day long all day. with nothing, with n literally nothing to do. Like you can only sit in your hotel room and write or like take a walk so many times before you're like, I, I hate, what am I doing this for? Yeah, that's why a lot of the comics now will take like their buddies on yeah. the road with them. I know Joe Rogan always talks about he takes yeah. his two best friends and yeah. guys and that makes it. Me and my buddy just, uh, we just started to plan this, uh, um, it's going to be called the Day Drinkers Comedy Tour. Um, and we're going to go to find the best pa places in the world or the best places in the country to day drink. And we're going to document it. We're going to shoot everything. That sounds um, like it could be hell on your liver. Yeah, but I'm, I, I, that's why I said I'm like, listen, we don't need to drink. The, we don't need to drink. We just need to f showcase the people that are. We need to showcase these places. Do you drink a lot when you, when you no, stand up? No, I, I will not touch just, it. But music you will drink. Oh, yeah, I'll let it rip with music. It's and so, I shouldn't, I, but I, I do. It's so weird. I've, I've been trying to get through that, too, where, like, it just becomes ingrained. You just yeah. get used to having a beer, so all of a sudden, yeah. next thing you know, you've, you're playing and you've had like four beers. Yeah. When I do, when we do these like marathon things though, like where we have to play a ton, it was like, I'm like an altar boy. It's just water and like just try to take care of myself. Like I didn't go out for the week before Fagawi because I knew Your I was going to take such a beating. Trash. But comedy, I will not, like it's like, I will not drink anywhere near it. Like it's just too important to me. No, I don't do any of that stuff. No? No, I'm just a, I'm more of a, I'm like a frat boy, you know? I'm more of like a party, you know, just drink some beers or whatever. I got you Jägermeister. Yeah, yeah, and like, let's get on the bar, let's fall down, you know, like that kind of, <laughs> um, but comedy is so important to me that I've, that I've, I know I'm not like looking down on anybody that does, I'm just like, it's, it's like, 
I, I have got hit in the head a lot in football and stuff. I need all the memory I can possibly handle. You well, know? yeah. And I can't be boozing it away. No, and that, the thing about what I guess what I was tying in is that lifestyle. Yeah. It's you, anyone that's gone through that, like when I toured with the band, yeah. you can just see, like, what do you have to do today? Yeah. Your, your job is getting to point A to point B. And once you're there, yeah. I call it the hang. I always hate mm-hmm. that. You get to the club. Yep. And it's seven and you're not playing till ten. Yep. What is there to do? Just pop yeah, a couple four hours. Yep. Just like and, yeah. I, and after a while I got kind of sick. It's a grind. It is. You know, you really do. And <clears throat> it's like careful what you wish for. You know, like I'll be like when I, I think one of my first times I did an sh- actual booked show. Did you have to do bringer shows? I did. And uh, God, they're the devil. Bringer shows are the end of comedy. Explain people listening, they probably don't know what Okay, a, br- a bringer show is where they say, I'll give you five minutes of stage time if you bring four people. Because then they then they don't have to promote the show. The, you, the comics are, they're making money on the comics' the biggest friends. racket. It is the game. worst thing ever because, and here's why. Because it would be one thing, uh, this is why it's horrible. You bring these people out and it's all shitty comics on the on the show it was me at four months in thinking I'm George Carlin, but I'm not. Uh, and I bring four of my friends, but me, I want to bring 10 because I think it's, you know, I am come from a band background. I want to promote like crazy. So I bring, bring my bringers. Um, but they sit through two hours of open micers that are just on their first show forever. And we all think it's great as comics, but these people in the stands go, or in the seats go, this is what stand-up comedy is. I'm never coming back to another show again. So they just like, yeah, it's brutal. And and it just totally, uh, you know, it had, that was my thing too. When I was doing it is that the audience, the audience had just sat through, uh, you know, an hour and a half amateur comics. And then you got to go up and somehow be funny and make them laugh. And that's, that's it's like, and as a, as a club and as a comedy industry, it's like selling your car for gas money because you're like, Oh, I got all these people out once, but you're, you're only getting them out once. Whereas if you just stick a, stick one new guy on a pro show and have him be on a show that he's proud of, he's going to tell his friends, you know? Yeah. So then that will be, they'll be like, oh my God, I saw a great show and my friend wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, my friend was okay. Yeah. yeah. It's always cringy, like for your friends, the first time they went and saw me, they were kind of like, mm-hmm. they were nervous. And yep. it was, uh, I, I was pretty green too. Yeah. And I didn't think I, I still have a, there's a VHS tape of it, but at that, that, but getting there and getting to the club and getting your friends there and then your friends pay $10 and a two yep. drink minimum. Yep. So. And then it, they're plastered by the time you go on. Yeah. It's just really, <laughs> it's, it's a grind. Yep. So you, do you do that in Boston? Um, I did the only bringer that I've ever done. Well, I, I did the, in Boston on Sundays, you do the pro-am. It used to be at the vault which was downstairs of Remington's over on... Uh, I don't know if I know where that is. It's right over on the Boston Common. It, w- it was there for 30 years. It's It was the spot. It's leg- It's a legendary Boston spot. And, and unfortunately, Emerson College took it over, and it's not there anymore. But they had a pro-am on Sundays, so there'd be pro guys on the show, and then open micers brought the two bringers. Yeah, because they basically packed the house for yeah. the pro, you know? Yeah, so... But as a as a new guy, it's worth it because then you're like, I'm testing my material on a comedy audience, not a bunch of comics in the back. It's only two people. If you can't find two people on a Sunday once in a while, like you're probably in the wrong business, first of right. all. Right. But the that one was worth it. And they still do it. They do it at the other club, which is downstairs a Howl at the Moon. Um, but I did that one, and then I did a bringer one time in Rhode Island at the Comedy Connection. 
That's a big. That's a big club. Oh, it's, that's my favorite club in the world. I, those people there are they. They just give a shit about comedy and human beings in general. They treat you nice, even if you had a rap. What, what's what's been your roughest night? Here, usually. Really? Yeah, I don't. Isn't that funny? People like people have. Was that at the Dreamland? I I've had a couple rough nights where where I've gone up and done something, f- like as part of the comedy festival, not on the actual festival weekend, and I've been like, God, these people hate me, and they're supposed to love me, and they're from here. But then the other guys will be like, You had a great set. I'm really hard on myself at home because everybody knows me here. Um, I've never had that night where it was like, where it was like bombed, like where you're where you're just like, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. And, <laughs> and it just means that it's coming. It hasn't happened yet, which means it's going to happen. And I'm like afraid it's going to happen when it's important. Yeah. Did you ever see Punchline when Tom Hang, when Tom yeah. hangs up there and he just bombs at at the one moment that he's supposed to nail? I feel like that's coming for me. Yeah. Jim Carrey <laughs> said he used to just Jim Carrey would go up and purposely just bomb mm-hmm. and, and like just try and drive it right into the ground so yep. he could just get used to it. But it's a it's an uncomfortable feeling. It takes years mm-hmm. to figure out. Uh, and you know, playing in uh, music is is you know if the band's tanking sometimes yeah. it can feel like you're driving something into the ground mm-hmm. too. And it's it's sort of it's easier to hide behind a, a yeah. guitar yeah. than it is if you're just bombing. But or, uh, you just, or you just pull out like Wagon Wheel or Sweet Caroline or one of those <laughs> one of those you know, wedding like tunes, standard cheese, and you're like everyone loves me again. Actually, you know where I I should say this: the comedy studio in Boston. Um, it's like it's in Cambridge, so I'm not. I don't really fit a Cambridge mold. It's like straight across the street from Harvard, and I'm going up there like. Like I look like the guy that stuffed every one of those people into a locker. You know, they they're like I, I either look like a cop or a bouncer or a bully or, or all three. I think all three. Yeah, and they're just like <laughs> I would go there and there would be like kids in skinny jeans and like you know what I mean. And, and I'm like, like the little snotty yeah. hipster kind of like. Uh, and I'm like, hey, so here's a story about football, and they're like, get out of here, here's and some- they hated me. It's like. And I thought I was God's gift to comedy at first. But wouldn't too. you want to see? I, my instinct would be like, all right, I gotta win. Uh, what can I do? This I'm gonna fight. I know I, you gotta like what? I gotta. I can break this. I, it it was I so can, intimidating for me. I've, I, I, I've because never, you clearly, I, I get it. Because you were like so dear, like yeah. these little intellectual, yeah. intellectual snooty kids. Yeah, and you're like kind of like the the jock. Yeah, the like the big dummy. You know, like it's like it's like Chris Farley rolling through there, and they're like, ugh, you're a mute. It's funny that you mentioned that. I always was hung up. I was a jock. Mm-hmm. I played lacrosse. Yeah, I was an all American. No big deal. <laughs> Believe it or not, I know it's the only. No, no, I, no one gives a shit, but I just like saying it because I think it's funny. But I, I always felt like in the music world, I was like kind of like jockey. Mm-hmm. I, there weren't a lot of my friends didn't. They went to music school. Yep. They weren't guys that played sports. Yep. So you just it, it, there's a little bit of a uh, insecurity within me yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, so I so I get that. Yeah. You know. And but the other side of it is that the competitive part that the other people don't have, where you're like where you are falling behind, and you're like I'm gonna kick it in here. This is gonna suck. Some people don't have that instinct. I think it comes from sports, but it's like at a certain point you gotta leave the sports thing behind. Like I I had to be like okay, I'm not playing for Coach Capizo anymore. Like I'm I'm trying to do an art form. Here. Yeah, Coach P. Yeah. I, <laughs> Coach P just got a plug. 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, I agree with you. Yeah. And the thing that sports does, though, and I think it applies in the artistic world, is yeah. that sort of like thick-headedness, which you mm -hmm. clearly have. Yeah. I have it, too. Yeah. It's like I, I, it does it that you can't stop me. Yeah. I'm just going to keep trying and trying right. till I get it right. Yeah, till I beat my head against the wall and something will crack, either the wall or my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that instinct is yeah. something that can do it. But I, I definitely see yeah. and understand that feeling that you felt. Yeah. Because sports world is different. There aren't a lot of like, you know, the the comedy world can kind of have the you know Bill Hicksy type of guys mm -hmm. that are just sort of like the yep. nerdy comics. And mm -hmm. when I was, I, I got vibed big time when I first started doing comedy. I remember uh, down in the Lower East Side, I was doing an open mic, and uh, this girl said to me, "She's like, what are you doing comedy for? You're like attractive. You mm -hmm. don't she, she told me that I didn't belong there. Yep, I've heard that. I'm, I haven't heard it to me. I've heard it to other people. <laughs> Nobody's ever like, you're too attractive for this. <laughs> no, Nobody's, it I, was yeah. just, I just, it was what, it, this girl, basically, I looked like not someone that right. should be there. Yeah, I could be on the back of a, of a dump truck and they were, they, nobody would come up and say you're too attractive <laughs> for this. They're like, geez, you're a little ugly to be a garbage man, aren't you're you? You're out there weeding a lawn. They're like, <laughs> yeah. sir, you're going to have to leave. Yeah, you're too ugly for this um no but that's a thing because you don't because we think i mean i think i i have a little like i feel that a little bit because i'm like you don't need this like you're you're handsome you got money and you know talent you don't need this like leave this for me leave, like so i can get up and make fun of myself you don't have any hardship you know that's like that's the not you specifically but right the but mentality like what do you need this for you know but like you get people like Dane Cook or like I don't know, just people that are like chiseled out of stone. And you're like, get out of here! Like, yeah, Dane Cook hasn't had it easy. No, he hasn't. He's and I taken love that guy. a lot of crap. Yeah, he's kicking ass again though. He is. And he's he's just funny. To, yeah, he is. People crap. Why, and all. you know, you know who liked the the, the kind of like the Mark Maroney kind of comic. Mm -hmm. Those those sort of people yep. like to kind of bag on. I mean, funny's funny. At it the is. end of the day, right? Funny yep. is funny. That's it. And if people are laughing, and I think it's the same with music too. Yep. I guess there's a lot of parallels. We're talking music and yep. comedy, but it, there is. If if there's people dancing, mm -hmm. I don't care what you can say. The yep. band, hit the shitty band, people are dancing. Yeah, they say that's a that's a Jamie uh, that's a Jamie Howarth who we were talking about earlier. That's one of his uh, isms. Is uh, did you move the room? Yeah, it's like if he moves a room, then he's fine. No, nobody sells out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row because they suck. I don't care what it is, you know, comedy or music. Or Why do you think people like to hate on him, though, Dane Because he's the nickelback of, he, he was the nickelback of comedy. It was like, okay, now go away. Kevin Hart's going to have the same thing. Give it give it four months and Kevin Hart will have the same exact thing. Because he's so big. Because he's so big and com like comics are cynical, jealous, nasty motherfuckers. And they go like, why is... We're like, why does, he, why does he have to be in every movie? Why does he have to sell out every arena? Screw this guy. And we just turn on people because they're better than us because we're all sick because they want something yeah dane cook didn't dane cook didn't have it as easy as people think he started out of that same that the vault that i was telling you about do you know dane cook no i would i would love to meet him but i i've heard every story about him from dick doherty who got him his start you know uh in boston and he worked his ass off and he just hit my space at the time that the rest of the world hit my space he just capitalized on something and saw it before it happened so he got huge and he got so big so fast that he probably didn't have material in the to back it up you know what i mean like like with music you spend 20 years writing your first album you ever spend six months writing your second it might not unless you unless you got some heart into it it's gonna suck yeah that's so, it, that's a tall order when you yeah. have a hit, when you had that first record that yeah goes. imagine going from 
talking to 70 people on a Friday to now you're selling out 30,000 people by the end of the year. And you go like, what the hell am I going to talk about? Yeah. And the level of professionalism mm-hmm. that you have to rise to. And to be then, able to, what if you shit your pants in front of 30,000 people? Yeah. Like you start stumbling on your words. Imagine Do you what ever that get tripped feel. up on your words sometimes? Not, not really. I, sometimes I, I'll, like if I do more than one show a night, I go, did I just say this? Because like, I think that I said it already in that set, but I said it earlier. I did three shows on Friday night, and I was like, have I even talked? Am I talking about the same thing I talked about five seconds ago? That's why I, <laughs> I mean, like, but it's like, no, that was from the gig earlier. Dane Cook, though, had some hardship that none of us would have to. He lost both his parents in the same year, uh, and his brother-in-law, I think, embezzled every penny he had. And then he like, came back and shot another special and just so struck right through it. law he's married, his brother-in-law. No, his sister's he, husband. Was his manager? Was his money guy. And, and was just in Took ba- it all. They were, he's in prison. Scumbag. I think his sister's in prison, too, I think, for it. I think. Well, there's an episode. Yeah. Family members in jail. And he was like, he's. imagine going through that, and then you got to sit down and write, try to be funny and entertain 30,000 people or whatever. How many people hold it? probably 20 at that's the, the fight or flight method yeah. i think you know he's just so yeah. dead set and that he, he work, that's work ethic so even if you don't like his comedy you got to respect it, like getting out of bed the next day no he does he yeah dane cook is definitely what's your i want to ask you about your process mm-hmm. how you how do you write um i used to try to sit down and write what's what i think people would think is funny like captain crunch jokes um but then i was like as I go through life and like just talking to people and laughing about like if I say some stupid thing off the cuff, like I'm funnier in conversation than I would be on stage for the most part. And I was like, I need to make that translate. So what I would do is I would be, you know, we'd be out having beers or whatever and say something funny and then like turn around on my phone and, you know, like, like this was, this went over great and then make a bit out of that. Mm-hmm. So like find out that it's funny already and then write about it. Do you walk around your house and do the bit? No, I never prepare, I never prepare like that. I do cue cards. My my mentor in this business, Danny Kelly, um, got me these cute like like uh, a cue card holder and blank ones. And he was like, use them like flashcards when you're trying to remember your math table. You know your math. Mm-hmm. What's it? What's that thing called? The periodic. Oh no. no the, Times table. The times table. Yeah, you know when you... We're two geniuses yeah, here. Jesus. What's that thing with the numbers <laughs> yeah, on it, right? The thing with the numbers and, on it was you, like... And you connect and you can figure out what nine <laughs> times nine is. If you hold down the right finger, you can know <laughs> nine times three is 27. And it's weird that our voices just went here. <laughs> I know. I know. Is what is some this? weird like... This uh, is not a mathematician salty. voice at all. <laughs> no mathematician was ever like, yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> hey, he talks like a hawker. Hey. <laughs> Bring the dizzy dames in here. We'll get do you, some math. Get your numbers in here, kid. <laughs> Pythagorean theorem over here. No, it'd be like the Simpson. <laughs> mm, hey. Hey, yeah, you know, that guy, the Simpsons yep. chemistry character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, so what you have is your timetables here, sir, and uh, nine times nine is 81. Did I get it on fly? Nailed it. Let me you hold did. on. I'm, I'm, nine times a, nine is 81. I have, a, I have a major learning disability. You do? Yeah. Me too, is that I don't care. <laughs> I, I wish I could just flag mine off like that. You I, know that the other day was the first time I ever... Like, since I graduated high school, I was always like, oh, another day went by, I didn't need algebra. Until <laughs> the other day, I was trying to figure out... That's how to... a good joke. Yes. I, I was trying to figure out... Just non sequitur, too. Just yeah. be like, another... <laughs> yeah, another another day gone without algebra. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to build a triangle behind the stage at Nix's so that we could put our drummer closer to the corner of the building because <laughs> there's that void space back there. It is kind of a weird space. But I only measured two of the lines... I guess that's more trigon. Nah, trigonometry is not that. I think it's. I think it. 
Oh, it's geometry. But you, there's some algebra. Like if this if this angle is this and this angle is this, then what is this length? And I was trying to figure it out, and I was like, damn it, I broke my streak. It only took like over 15 years, but I had to use algebra. <laughs> I had to use I was algebra. so pissed, yeah. And it was totally wrong. I would have I would have built a just an absolute disaster. Nailed it, 81. All right, I'm such an idiot. I was I had to double. I was so nervous that I sounded like an idiot. I looked up on my phone. Nine times nine is indeed. Don't 81, you know the hand folks. trick? Right. If so you do. You just take your ninth finger. Look at the just size of your hands. I know they're massive. Jesus. Do you yeah. get in fights? I would hate to. Fight. I used to fight all the time. What is the? What is the? the there's like this Bostony like fight mentality. I don't know. What is that? It was from here. It was a. It was a Nantucket thing. I think. Like, and people would come here, like, summer kids would come here and, like... Oh, you must have beat some summer kids. Oh, I beat some summer ass. <laughs> I beat some summer ass. You're lucky I'm reformed. I might come across the table right now. <laughs> no, I used to fight all That'd the time. That would be a first. I yeah. got punched <laughs> on the podcast. We should just do it for publicity. Like, do you hear Brian punch Doug at the But podcast? see, that's a great example of what happens on Nantucket. Yes. The, rumor, the rumor mill oh, would yeah. go off the charts. Yeah, I'm going to, when I leave here, I'm just going to tweet that I punched you in the face. Totally. There's yes. a huge fight that broke out. The police came. And then I'll be like, listen to the podcast to find out what happened. And be then like, by the time it comes out, we're going to be like, just Doug kidding. Cody. Dick. <laughs> yeah, uh, how come you don't have a black eye? Um, no, but yeah, we used to fight all the time. We used to just fight. I just them. noticed Brian had huge hands. Yeah, they are massive. What do you do with those hands? Just choke, <laughs> just choke bookers until they book me. No, I, I don't know. I, I used. But you to, were a football player. Yeah. What was your position? I played guard, and I was a I was a linebacker oh, until pulling guard. Yeah. Oh, pulling guard's great. It's the best. When just someone's there and runs Oh, somebody dude, over. when you're pulling in that guy, that defensive end yep. doesn't see you coming. Yep. I used to call it the dolphin because I would never put my hands out and I would just like, ee, ee, ee. like I would like, I would like fly through the air like a dolphin, like try to hit him. Did you uh, win all state or anything like that? Did oh you? no, I sucked. I mean, I was good. I was good enough to like beat. I was. I started, but I wasn't like. We had some athletes on my team. Like we had some good football players and stuff. We went to the, we went to the Super Bowl. I was just gonna say Nantucket yeah. has good it football. Was, right? Yeah, it was still a football factory back then, and uh, <laughs> we went to the Super Bowl, and they had more kids dressed for the game than we had guys in our whole school. We played against Greater Lawrence, so we go to the mall. You know, like our, we would go the night before, and we went to the mall, and we all got like fake tattoos. You know, like where you like, the Hyannis Mall. You, yeah, and the <laughs> and and there's you never go to the Hyannis Mall and not see someone in a Raiders starter jacket. Like if you walk from one end to the other and you don't see that, like it's the apocalypse. Um, but we had these. Uh, I should write that down. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you, there's got someone. There's the Hyannis is a walking bit. Oh, it is. I I do a whole bit about Cape Cod and everything. Okay. Yeah. All I, right. I, I talk. We'll, we'll, yeah. I I just say that it's it smells like oxycontin and linguisa there for some reason. I can't figure <laughs> out why it smells like linguisa. Dude, that's, <laughs> I, I there's something in there too, like the the same homeless guy that's in front of the entrance there. Mm -hmm. Like talking about persistence. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Give it up. Homeless <laughs> Jimmy, like move it around. Yeah. Change the scenery once in a while, maybe it spikes some imagination. If you were doing a drifter documentary, I think you could <laughs> think yeah. Hyannis could be. <laughs> when did? How did it happen? How like did they that? get there? I don't know. And why Hyannis? Because winter's a bitch. Yeah. Why would you want to be a bum anywhere but like San Diego? I know. I don't know. But Hyannis, are there a lot of bums in San Diego? I'm sure. Yeah. Are we now, allowed to even call them bums anymore? We're gonna get. I'm probably gonna get sued. For no, some, there's some assholes gonna come out of the woodwork economically and. Uh, Economically, economically deprived fuck off they're bums <laughs> they're like it's not like it's not like i'm saying that they're a, as a human being they're a bum but that's their job i mean that's their vocation right is bum 
I used to have that anger that you're talking about. In New York, I would see these kids. You know what gutter punks are? No. Gutter punks are like these kind of the crusty kids with like the with the patches and the dog, and you'd see them at bus stations and stuff. And yeah, and they, it says like Vietnam, but you're like you're 17. How did that happen? <laughs> I would just be like, dude, you're a white male. You yeah. can get a job. You are a part of the most privileged demographic on the planet. You know, I mean, obviously there's probably more, but I, I like that. I like broad generalizations. Me too. I like I, I like blatant racism. No, I don't. I don't at all. I'm just kidding. But like, I was probably 18 by the time I saw my first bum. Actually, we went to Washington D.C. Nantucket. Homeless population. Yeah, there's well, it's probably, probably one. There's probably one or two. Now, especially, I know one guy lived under a dinghy. Where's the homeless underground Tom or whatever? That's the guy. That I mean, dude's home. That guy. That guy single-handedly solved the housing problem on Nantucket, and we threw him off. We voted him off like Survivor. You've never heard of a housing problem before on Nantucket, have you? Like mm, it is now? No way. No way. Well, in your opinion, what's the issue? The issue. Well, if we're gonna get if we're gonna get deep right now, I'll tell you what the issue is. Um, money talks. So in a time when everything was zoned residential commercial, the demand was for, um, the, the, like the demand was for residential. So they built all the residential at one time on all the commercial land. So then it forced all the commercial to, to like, it just, the zoning got so screwed up that there was like everywhere to live and nowhere to work. And then now there's everywhere to work and nowhere to live. And now it's going to change again because if they do that thing over in my grandfather's old place there, Wally World, up by the airport, there's going to be all that housing. Yeah, I, I've, I've, been, I've been at a cocktail party and someone yeah. was talking about it. It's called Glowacki Land. Yeah. The, That's your grandfather? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're going to they're gonna turn it into... It's going to be housing in their event. It's going to be all houses of some kind, either like low income or they're going to do a housing project or whatever. Um but all of those businesses are going to be displaced and there's going to be nowhere for them to go. So then we'll have all this housing. The housing problem will be non-existent, but the, there'll be nowhere to work. Wow. Because of zoning. Well, this is, the, this is something in my limited time that I've been on Nantucket that I've realized that mm -hmm. it, it is a, it's a very dynamic place and yep. there's a lot of issues mm -hmm. that I feel like, you know, that sometimes people, there's a very, there's a, one-dimensional picture that gets painted for the island mm -hmm. and you if you tell me if you disagree oh i definitely agree and they they paint this one picture and it's like all these other things sort of get swept under the rug here yep. it's like i mean the you know if you look at the demographic it's nantucket is a multicultural place right now yep probably more than it's ever been mm -hmm. oh and, absolutely you know I, I when i went to uh get my health insurance mm -hmm. i was you know, there, I was the only one speaking English. Yeah. There's a lot of people. There's, yeah. a, there's a huge influx of uh, mm -hmm. different races here, which is yeah, it's it's, insane. I mean, it's good. It's a melting pot, but it it's really like, is a melting pot. You have to live somewhere. Everyone, people have to like, you shouldn't have to live in like a, a basement apartment for like two grand. You know, I've what I mean? heard like, some pretty crazy stories of people yeah. uh, renting out crazy oh, living situations. I'm going to rent out my car. I'm going to rent out my car. <laughs> Are you ready for me to solve another long-time Nantucket problem in two seconds? Yes. You know how the, the, they always bitch about the wastewater treatment plant, that it can't hold all the poop from mm -hmm. all of us? It's because that most of downtown's pipes are made out of wood. So it's, they're processing salt water more than anything else. Really? Yeah, because the salt water just gets in there because the old pipes are made out of wood. Huh. So if they fixed the pipes, there wouldn't be as much salt water in there. They would be able to bring the, you know, they'd be able to take on more poop. Well, there so you go. Nailed it. Why don't you why run? Why am I a city planner? Why don't you a city planner? I should be a selectman instead of a comic, and then, then maybe I'll solve some problems. I think problems. you'll probably run at some point. I'm going don't to. Don't you? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with the balloon thing this year. 
Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. You caused quite a controversy. I did. I love to just kick a hornet's nest where, where people don't expect it. Nantucket can uh, be a hornet's nest. Yeah, I, lo- I just love just the... I mean, I'm, I care about the environment to, to an extent. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I do. I, th- I think that... So if- I think for the most part, it's important to, you know, look after the earth because we're going to hopefully live here uh, for a while. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have any room in my heart for people that, like, make it their, like, like the people who just go crazy and would rather have seals have a better quality of life than, like, a human and you're equating the balloons to some sort of happiness that leads the to... The balloons just make humans happy. I shouldn't... I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set... I, I need to at some point set this down because people always come up and be like, hey, balloon guy. I'm like, that's not what I want to... You not- know what's even funnier is as he's talking this, he's pulling up his sleeve and he's showing me his new balloon tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> balloon knot. You got... Uh, <laughs> b- b- balloon knot. Um, but... No, I respect the balloon. I wanted to. I wanted to raise awareness, and I, so I took the side that I that I think that that I think that the environment is bad, and I and I went at it from an angle like, if this passes, I'm going to kill every seal on Great Point. And I was like, Grant Sanders is somebody who's very intelligent, and I just he gets under my skin, and I get under his. He's he's very smart, and he's a good he's a good person to have here because he's like he's always plays the other side no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, but I went. We made like a huge stink just to raise awareness of the fact that balloons are killing animals all over the world. Like animals are ingesting balloons and they're dying and it's litter and it's awful. But I took the side just to, you know, get to fire the argument up. And I told, I put it, we were on Facebook arguing back and forth and we're talking behind the scenes going, well, this is heating up. Like, don't, don't slow this down at all. Oh, he wanted to keep it going. Yeah. Well, because everyone was talking about it. Nobody ever would have talked about that article. Nobody ever would have stopped letting balloons go unless we made a stink about it. So we make this a huge stink about it. It becomes this huge threat. Yeah, and I said, uh, I said, listen, if this passes, I'm going to personally kill every seal on Great Point. I said, I'm going to be in the top of Great Point Lighthouse with a 30-odd six and a scope like the guy from Saving Private Ryan. I was like, I'm going to be the Duke Nukem of the Nantucket ecosystem. And he sends me this big, long thread on the on the Facebook thread of how you're not allowed to kill marine animals and all this other stuff. And I said, well, lucky for me, I'm 116th Inuit Native American, and uh, your marine laws don't apply to me. And at that point is when it exploded because people thought that I was really serious, like that I wanted to kill seals. But in the end, I don't think too many people are going to let balloons go and no, animals I, won't get killed anymore. So We just touched on something, too, that I think says Nantucket doesn't have a sense of humor. None. There is very little sense of and I no. that's the one thing that I, I, I noticed out here. There's very I, the people there I don't there's not a sense of humor. Yeah. Like it, there's a little there's an uptightness about there, it. There's that, a um it's like it's like you have to you have to like worry about if you should laugh at stuff because oh those people might not do business with me tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like they might not they you have might to be not, careful. My real estate might not rent my real estate because I said I hate animals or whatever. And it's like, just people need to be themselves more and just let it rip. Have a little bit of a sense of humor, yeah. you know. It's I like, think- I'm not really going to kill all the seals. No, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have, <laughs> I'll leave it. Four or five? No, I, I just... See, now, you know what would have been funny if you said, I'm not going to shoot him, I'm going to ha- wrestle him. Yeah, <laughs> and punch so him in the face, he's these gonna, summer seals. 
<laughs> Brian's gonna wrestle the seals on Point. For money, for enough money, I'd wrestle a seal. You know, it's the new. Uh, that's the kind of thing that would go viral. What would you rather? This is totally off the topic, but it's reminded me. What would you rather eat, a crow or a seagull? Oh, a seagull, because the crows will eat the roadkill and stuff. Seagulls, yeah, but the seagulls eat trash. I think you're. I don't know. Neither. Yeah, but if you had to eat one to survive. Oh, a seagull. Yeah, I'd go crow. I'd go crow every time. Really? Yeah. Why? I feel like more people eat crow just because. That's a, like a, a New England redneck thing. Yeah, but like, first. but then you're like, what if eating crow is like bad luck? It's like eating a witch or a vampire or something. It you know is. what I mean? Or maybe you get power from eating a crow. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. Damn it. What was the guy eat. in the movie that died from the crow? Brand, uh, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee? Yeah. That's Bruce Lee's kid. Which of theirs, if you're into conspiracy theories, just yeah. Google conspiracy theory and uh, the crow. There's all sorts of weird stuff surrounding Are you that. into conspiracy theories? You ever seen Zeitgeist? No. Oh, my God. I'm not into conspiracy theories. Oh. But you have a big forehead, too. Uh, yeah, I got a huge dome. You guys could I just... wear a size 8 hat. You do? Yeah, that's large. I have large. a tiny pinhead. Really? Yeah. Who would you fight for charity that comes out here? Like, it has to be a Nantucket person, like a Nantucket visitor. Uh, Well, John Kerry just got hurt. Did you see that? So, yeah, you'd pile on. I, his face. I, you know, I couldn't get over how his face in person was like a... It was like looking at some like cartoon. Are you allowed to say that you want to punch him in the face yet, or is he still in office? No, I wouldn't fight John Kerry. Who would I fight that comes out here that would be fun? Uh, I don't think I'd fight. It'd probably be more of like an Indian leg wrestle. Um, let me think who I would do uh, that I've seen out here. I'd like to do Bill Burr. I saw him out here. You'd fight? I think he'd be nutty. Oh, but he's got that redheaded temper. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. Mess I don't want like to mess with him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Bill angry Burr redheads. I'd, I don't know. I've. I think Bill Burr would be somebody. I know. All right, Ben Stiller. You'd fight Ben Stiller? I would fight, but he's probably like. You think he's cagey, like he's wiry? Yeah, he's got the kind of like, he could have been like a wrestler in high school. No way. He's short. Yeah. So maybe go like for like, he'd probably kick your shins and then like pinch your ear and like. Yeah, he um, would. And then. Again, out here, you never know. Someone could be listening to this and be like, "This, you have no idea what you're talking about." No, oh, we don't. We, well, can we disclose that we, yeah, have, we should... literally have no idea? We're just right. Just, just, we're just making up stuff. I have no nothing. But I'm not making this up. Mr. T is coming out here this summer. He just bought a house in Pulpus. The Mr. The T. The Mr. T bought a house in Pulpus. No way. Yeah. yeah. I, pit, I pity the fool that is lives this, next to him. That's is, crazy. It doesn't see, seems odd that he would pick Nantucket as a place to summer, but. What if what if you're in here one day? Because since we disclose our location, Mr. T come in here and just beat the shit out of you. <laughs> wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be like a bucket list thing? Right. I got my yeah. What be. about the other guy, the Meet the Press guy, who got the raw deal? Uh, he's out here a lot. He's an. I. You know who I slapped across the face once? You slapped someone famous. Luke Russert. Oh. Right in the mouth. Really? Yeah. See, this goes back to your brawling summer yeah, kids. Yeah, it does. A smack Luke Russell right in the mouth. So, yeah, let's. I want to hear a good <laughs> uh, summer kid brawl story. Um, you don't see that because that happens. There's there's tension. Why is there tension? It's because we live here. This is such a, such a local. I feel so local and, like, small town right now. But, like, we're, we're here all year, like, enduring this. And then it gets infiltrated. Is that the right word? Infiltrated. Infiltrated with new, like, brand new people. Can I get one? Yeah. Um, it gets, it gets uh, infiltrated with all these new people. And, uh, and but it's then, always been, like, you've grown up here, so you have to be used to it. Yeah, right? but it's like summer comes and it's like, you're not going to take over our favorite restaurants or beaches or party spots or whatever. Like, get out of here. I've only been here five years, and I understand that completely. Yeah. But 
I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, it, you know, it's it's a vacation island. That's just what it is. I know, but like growing up here, you don't even you don't you don't realize that it's just all of a sudden they're here, and it's like I hate these people. That was you as a kid. It sounds like yeah. you've, you've had some redemption though. You've been oh able- yeah. But now I enjoy it, and I love meeting new people. I, I, I want to hear everybody's story. But back then when I was, like, 15 years old and, like, had hair and a girlfriend, I, I was like... <laughs> and it was like, it was just what we did. It was like we took pride in the fact, like, eh, fucking summer kids are here. We don't have that accent. Um, we were like, oh, the summer kids are here, like, punch them in the face. I got, I got in a fight with the, the University of Rhode Island football team. Uh, there were, like, four captains. And... Um, one of them like threw a bottle at my car on 40th pole. This is this is a, exactly what we're talking about. So he throws a bottle and it skips off the hood of my car. And I get out of the car, not even thinking that it was just me by myself, and punch the guy. Boom. Lay him right down in the sand. Yeah, I start to celebrate. And in half a second, his buddies pull my shirt over my head, throw me on the hood of my car, and just that's how see my nose is broken. That's where it, that's where it came from. Oh. The, they punch the dude punched me and just broke my nose and i'm on the hood of my car and all of a sudden my buddy who is it's a it used to be the fire chief's son bruce watts's son his name is ken i'm disclosing all names i don't care that's all right ken names will not be changed to protect the innocent he couldn't get out of his door because he had crashed his truck like so he puts down the window and climbs up the window and comes up and punches one of the guys gets him off me those two go at it one of my other buddies gets in it it's this huge brawl but the cops were already there to break up the party and they pull up, all the cops pull up, and they just shine the lights on it. And uh, somebody goes, aren't you going to do anything? And uh, they go, they're, they're Nantucket kids. They'll be fine. And we ended up beating the bag off of these people um, and, like, tuned them up pretty good. And the cops were like, yeah. That's, they were, like, proud of us. It was, like, old school cops. Old school, like, yeah. us first. And that yeah. doesn't, is that there? You think those high school kids are still experiencing No, there? I think they're probably, no. They probably challenge them to a words with friends or something that's how they <laughs> settle their battles right exactly we were we we're like meatheads we like took, took pride in that you know what i mean it was like yeah, you can't. but now that's not cool anymore it's not cool to be like a jock anymore maybe yeah to some extent is it i don't know i mean i don't know i think to some extent I, what you're talking about is that there's a paradigm shift it's where not cool to be an idiot i think is what it is and it used to be there was yeah, like a time when it was I, cool to be a dummy. I think, listen, I think in some cases there's some people that sometimes uh, uh, smack to the face when someone's being, mm-hmm. you know, karma's a bitch. Yeah. If you're going to treat someone like an asshole or you're going to treat someone rude, yeah. whether you're a summer person or local, I don't think that, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to get what's coming to you. And sometimes mm-hmm. uh, if you've had a few beers, listen, I got jumped in Colorado. I got my ass kicked. Really? And You I didn't sh- get your beak broken like I did, though. I got my ankle broken. I had surgery. Oh, no. I shot my mouth off. Yep. And uh, I got jumped by this guy. He was an ultimate fighter. Yep. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> always sure add 20%. Was. Yep. Uh, so this guy, actually, the guy was missing an arm. And, it was actually uh, Ben Stiller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. That's why you have a vendetta against him. Oh, well. It's not it, the, the issue is just going to keep going. I think you yeah. know it's just it's just it's a vacation island. It's just part of the deal, right? Yeah, for the most part. And also, the people that are coming here are pretty. I mean, I don't know what the like the kids, high school age kids are, but like the people that are coming here now. Like I had a whole Fagawi weekend. I saw thousands of people. I didn't see one person that needed like that. You would be like, this guy needs to be punched in the face. But back in the day, you did. Yeah, it was probably a different outlook, but just 
being around that many people, that 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 real asshole wasn't there. I, I didn't, I couldn't find him this year. Good. Yeah, it was really good to see. Because you get that many people and that much alcohol, and you don't get one guy that you're like, I'd like to tune this guy's face up. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's Back. a good percentage. Yeah, well, so and maybe it is changing. Maybe the island is changing. Maybe I'm just getting old and Yeah, mellow. I think you're just getting older mellow and mellow. Well, your focus is somewhere else, yeah. too, you know? I just, I, a guy punched me in the back at the brewery. Kiddingly? No, he was pissed at me because I got up on the table. I just stood up on the table, and I was like, somebody passed me a guacamole and chips from the, like, lunch truck thing out there. Yeah. And I took a bite, and it dripped some guacamole next to this girl, and she had it on her finger, and she, like, put it up, like, for me to taste, like, to eat it. And you liked it? And I ate, and I liked it, but it was a guy's wife, and he punched me in the back. That's the best story I've heard. It was, it was so great. And I just went, dude, really? I go, actually, I said to him, I go, me and her have to tell you something. She actually doesn't like guys that are handsome and successful. She likes me now. <laughs> and then he laughed, and he felt bad for punching me in the back. See, there you go, comedy diffusing. That's right. That's what it, when are you performing again? When's your next show? Uh, my next show here is July 6th at the Dreamland. Um, but I'm... So Brian Gold... Glowacky. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's, I thought about having a stage what name. What kind of name is Brian Glowacky? It's Polish. Polish? Yeah. That's where you get your stubbornness from. It probably is. Um, well, that's. Uh, I think that we're about at an hour. Awesome. That was it. Thank I thank you, you so much for coming yeah, Inside fun. the Whale. You're gonna, I'm going to have you on a guest, as a guest again. It was a lot of fun. That sounded inappropriate when you just said that. Say it again. I thank don't you even, so much for what? Thank you so much for... Um, <laughs> Taking the time out of your busy day. Don't forget to go see Brian at the Dreamland. And he, your website is... BeGlowComedy.com. Check out Brian. You'll see him around town playing with Perfect Day. I'm at the Chicken Box this weekend. Are you? With yeah. Perfect Day? Yes, sir. All right. There you go. Hardest working man on Nantucket. <laughs> well. And if you want to arm wrestle someone, yep. this is your guy. Me and Ben Stiller fight to the death. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on Inside the Whale. Thank you. All right. We're done. There you have it, folks. Comedian Brian Glowacki. Give him a lot of credit, man. Not an easy place to start out doing comedy and to continue the career and keep fighting for it, you know, trying to create those opportunities. Good for you, Brian. Good for you. Fighting the fight. Doing the work, getting on the road, getting on the car, the lonely nights, driving up and down the East Coast, spending all day to go stand on stage for 30 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. Want that to sink into the listeners and think about the commitment and energy. It's not an easy road. It's a tough profession. I did it for five years. I'm not doing it anymore. It's not easy. It's not for everyone. I probably just wasn't funny. That was my problem. But that's another podcast we can get into. But Brian was a great guest. Thanks for sitting down, Brian. If you see him around town, make sure <laughs> make sure you give him some crap about the balloons and be like, hey, you're balloon guy. Oh, he's got a great sense of humor. I'm glad I've gotten to know him. He's a good musician too. Drummer, ukulele player. He's all over the place. But stand-up comedy is, is without a doubt, one of the uh, most challenging career choices someone can do. And it, it's a calling. It's got to be in your belly. And it's you got to live, eat, and breathe it nonstop. 
And it's a competitive market out there. Stand-up comedy is... I uh, just listened to Joe Rogan talk about stand-up comedy, and he feels like it's in a golden age. But there's also so many people doing stand-up now, and there's so many millions of... Every comedian's got a podcast now. So it's even harder to be heard. Uh, do I think that uh, Brian deserves to open for Tosh.0? Absolutely. Those are the kind of breaks that can change someone's life. What would it hurt Tosh.0 to give a kid that's been doing it a shot? Give him five minutes. doesn't matter. It's no skin off his back. I'm sure Brian would do it for free. Well, maybe not free, but well, who knows? Deserves a shot. Anyway, comedy's a tough road, but you got to love it. And it is worth it once you get up there and you write that bit that's comedy gold. Brian, thanks for coming on. That was funny. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to Inside the Whale. I really do appreciate it. Keep the comments coming. Again, I can be, uh, I have an Instagram account now. It's Inside the Whale ACK at Instagram. And the Twitter feed is Inside the Whale ACK, same as the Instagram. And an email address is Inside the Whale ACK at gmail.com. So if you've got any questions, comments about the podcast, any guests that you think I should have on the show, by all means, shoot me an email. I'm open. Episode 11. We're doing it, folks. We're doing it, Nantucket. What a great place to be to do in a podcast. The sun's out. The ocean water is warm. I went surfing the other day, and the water was warm, relatively, and that's a good sign. We're doing it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is Inside the Whale. I am Doug Cody. We'll see you. Episode 12 is coming up next. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Oh, but wait. And I forgot. A big, big thanks to Audrey Sterk Designs for lending us her studio. Thank you, Audrey. Want to do it there again. Audrey Sterk Designs. Can't thank you enough, Audrey. And can't wait to get you on the podcast. Boy, she's got a good story. She's going to be a guest for sure. All right, guys, we're out. Sure,